0: Welcome to Conversations in Clean Tech, the podcast that celebrates the cleantech industry and the people that power it. Brought to you by Brightsmith. I'm your host, Jenny Garbman, and across the podcast, I'll be interviewing leaders, innovators, and entrepreneurs from around the world to explore the opportunities, challenges, and rewards of working in cleantech. From fuel cells to fashion tech, we'll discuss diverse topics such as scaling startups, strains on the C-suite, and seeking investment while offering some tokens of wisdom to enlighten, engage, and inspire everyone to live their purpose. Well, I have an absolute treat in store for you today. My guest has been at the leading edge of micro-mobility from pretty much day one. As she's got startup running through her veins. She's got more passion than anyone I know for what she does. And a few words that spring to mind when I think of Georgia are drive, vision, community, inclusion, people, empathy, and of course, scooters. Georgie Exley is Tier Mobility's brand new head of cities for the UK and Ireland. For those of you that don't know Tier, they're one of the world's fastest growing micro mobility companies. They're arriving in new cities on what seems like a weekly basis. And very excitingly, they have just landed in both mine and Georgia's hometown of London, which I imagine is a pretty incredible feeling for Georgia. I'll warn you that we both have a natural propensity to chat forever, so we'll try not to do that. And on that note, let's get started. Georgia, it is my absolute pleasure to welcome you to Conversations in Clean Tech. Oh
1: Jen, thank you so much. What a nice introduction! That is, I think, the best introduction yeah. I've ever had. I can't thank you enough. It's so lovely and so true as well. We definitely do have a propensity to chat, but it's always a really great chat. And I think you've touched on like a lot of the just amazing things that we have to talk about today already just in launching in london in the speed of growth that's happening in the sector the way that tier are going about it and how excited i am about this new job and then business in tier and the approach that they're taking so yeah so much to say and
0: already i'm starting to chat to much. <laughs> so i'll pass back to you well no that was actually what i was gonna say please do introduce yourself to our listeners Tell them a little bit about your, your journey into mobility, how you got into it and, yeah, the leaps that you've had along the way. Thanks, Jen.
1: So, yeah, it has been quite a journey. I started in my, my mobility maybe five or six years ago, even now. It's bonkers to say that because, as you've said, you know, the speed and rate of growth, the way that things change from week to week. Um, It's hard to even imagine that it's been any number of years in this industry. And it is a really young industry as well. You know, five or six years is is going back to the early days of the free floating bike share model. That's what brought me in. You know, before starting in that space, I, I had been working in high growth tech startups already. I started out in kind of DevOps, real techie tech. And then realised I didn't have much interest in that area, no offence to developers, but I then moved on to travel tech and more kind of consumer facing technology and, and realised that's where my interest really lie. And it was around that time I, I kind of started freelancing and working with companies that were moving into that hyper growth stage. And a friend of mine had seen, uh, well, we'd started seeing Mobikes out on the street at that time I was living in Beijing. And we started seeing this same bike over and over again. And I just thought it was a trendy bike model that everyone, you know, decided they were going to buy and was actually like, oh, where do I get one of those? And a friend of mine had seen a job advert for, I can't remember what role it was actually at the time, very much in the marketing and comms space for the new to be formed international side of the business. So and he, he just said to me, look, this job description, it's a description of you. You you have to do this job. So I have to thank him for for putting me in that direction. So I went and had a chat with the the head of international expansion at the time and ended up, you know, being so lucky to be the fourth team member of the international expansion. And that was, I think, the first day that I went into the office. I had a call from him saying, can you fly out to Singapore tomorrow because we're planning a lot to launch there next week. And it was since that moment, that level of intensity and speed of growth from then on over the last six years and the intensity for sure. um, But the approach has been really varied and the decision making in the way that, you know, different businesses have come about it and even the vehicles and all sorts that hopefully we'll be able to kind of dig in today have have made that experience really different from year to year or business to business. And all of those experiences have absolutely led me to to the role that I'm in now, which is the head of cities for TIER in UK and Ireland. Just the existence of that job, I think, is a testament to the way that micromobility has changed over those years, that there's an entire section of the business in TIER that is dedicated to partnership with the city and really embedding the service in the wider landscape of of how people move around cities and recognizing the importance of that approach in how you deliver micromobility services. So the role in itself, the fact that it exists, you know, that is such a startup kind of head title, isn't it? Head of Cities, what does that mean? But just the fact of, of that existence of that role, I think, really does in itself highlight the, the journey that the industry has come on in that time. So yeah, I hope that gives a little bit of a, a introduction as to
0: why we're having this chat today. No, it certainly does. And I think throughout the conversation, we'll talk about, well, lots of things that you've touched on there, the rapid scaling, where the industry's going, how that fits into the wider climate problem, and a bit about your journey and, and the highs and lows and, and where it's taken you. But I think before we do that, we should talk about London and how it feels, how it felt on day one. Oh there's
1: nothing else to say but amazing, just amazing. I mean, of course, I've been in micro mobility for a few years, and that's led me to working with cities all over the world, every continent that we can think of we've kind of expanded these services into, and every single one of them has been amazing, but there's something really special about being able to deliver a new vehicle and this is this is what's happening in london but also the uk at large it's about introducing an entirely new vehicle and way of moving around the cities and yet something incredibly special about doing that in your hometown you know i'm a londoner born and bred i went and lived overseas for a while but I, i came back with that hope of being able to deliver something here and yeah having that closeness and that proximity but also really being able to see the impact that is possible in your community is is incredible. But also just the context of the national level trials and the importance of the the London service in that and the complexity of the London service in the level of data sharing that's going into it, the level of Mm -hmm. collaboration with TFL and London councils and two other operators. There's no other project in micromobility that I think is as complex and therefore as interesting and exciting for me the you know the the highlight of my career. Oh lovely.
0: <laughs> no, it's nice. I always think when when you do something anywhere in the world, it's amazing, but when you can bring something brand new to, you know, the streets that you walk every single day or now ride every single day, it's a pretty great feeling. Absolutely. And now looking further afield and kind of micromobility from a global perspective, I know you are a girl with stats up your sleeve. And I think to give our listeners a bit of insight into micromobility and, and what that means even and the pace, the scale of growth, can you share a few things from that perspective? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I would start by saying
1: currently at being at tier, this is the second unicorn business in in micro mobility that I've been in 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 this short space of time. And both of those have achieved that status in less than two years. The marker for unicorn is within five years. So this is something unbelievable in itself that there would be even more than one business in this space that would uh, achieve that point. But the measure of the growth and success of the businesses is, is not exclusively attributed to the fundraising and the value of the business itself and that kind of unicorn status. It's also the scale of the services. So you take the early days kind of bike sharing models and there were points where you're servicing 250 cities with millions of bikes and the scale is just mind-blowing. You know, at Tier, we've just reached recently our exceeding 50 million rides with 5 million riders across Europe. And I think you mentioned the stat, actually, of it feels like we're launching new cities every week. And actually, I think when we break down the numbers, it's four new cities every week that we're launching. And so every time I come into these conversations, I've got, you know, various stats that we've looked at maybe in press releases the day before saying, you know, 100. So my latest one is 117 cities across Europe, but I'm sure if I looked in my inbox right now, there'll be three more announcements that I've missed. So I'm gonna say 117 for now, but I'm sure by the time this airs, it will be exceeding that for sure. But it's important also how you scale. Growth and scale is 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 amazing and the impact that you're able to achieve through that is incredible. You know, you're then going into carbon saving and just the reality of helping people move around and how important that actually is in our day-to-day.
0: That's when it starts to get really exciting and, and really interesting, and I guess with everything that that grows that fast and is that exciting and that interesting comes complex and probably also equally as interesting challenges to problems to solve, can you share with us some of those that you've experienced along the way? Oh absolutely.
1: I mean one of the th- one of the stats actually that I know we always in- enjoy discussing that I didn't mention is really just how fast growing this industry has been you know it is a technology it's a technology driven business these vehicles are iot connected um so as much as it's in the kind of transport and movement space it's also in the technology space and if you map the new technologies like atms mobile phones on a graph the steepest curve to that kind of billion users or even 100 billion users is Micromobility from the bike sharing model is it's, it's mind blowing, mind boggling how quickly it's been adopted and how quickly it's been rolled out across our cities and across the globe. I absolutely believe that that was vital to make that change and give cities that drive of we need to move to sustainable forms of transport. And this there is real value to be gained out of doing that and see all of the benefits and see all of the positive. But that speed of growth absolutely had its negative implications. I think, you know, we go back a few years to the free floating bike share model and it's the chaos of too many vehicles on streets or too many vehicles gone out and then being damaged and maybe not having great lifespans. And those learnings have been really important for the business. So as much as, you know, the scale was necessary for us to make that change and start to value these new forms of transport and see that there was demand, and see that there were benefits to to be had out of it. We also had to take accountability for whether they were intended or not those negatives that that came through. And that meant businesses started focusing on lifespan of vehicles, making sure that they had longevity and were ruggedized and could be on street for three years, five years without needing to be consistently replaced thinking about the supply chain the whole way through, not just about what's the positive impact of the vehicle, but are we using green energy? Are we producing things in positive ways as well? And actually, that's a really nice kind of lead into what then brought me into TIER because that was so well established, that kind of viewpoint of if we are to achieve the positive impact that micromobility promises, we really have to think about these things at every level of the business from the start of when you incept it, that it has to be really focused on positive climate impact so that when you're implementing new services or building vehicles, you're thinking about it early on. And and that, I think I've never seen that anywhere more prevalent and more obvious in the way
0: that the business goes about things than in, in tier. And I think that's amazing. And we'll touch on it again later. But Each little aspect of clean tech needs to fit together. And I think it's those companies that are seeing that and they're connecting with other companies in that space that are actually putting themselves in a position to have such a big impact compared to the the head down and and focusing just on one area. Absolutely. Collaboration is key. Yeah. And I think that's what we see in this space. We see more collaboration. Your competitors are not the enemy. They're people that you're, you know, working alongside. And if you don't have a joined up vision actually it doesn't work for the city and if you don't work properly with the city then it all falls flat. Totally and how good of an example of that is
1: the London service right now where you absolutely we have to work collaboratively and the benefit of our competitor operators is the benefit of us because what we're doing is establishing a new market in this service It's a trial right now in London. So things going positively, uptake being good for the competitor companies is is important for us as well. If we're to introduce these new vehicle types long term, we have to see these benefits come through in this trial period.
0: Yeah, and I think with perception as well, I think there's always been an issue with e-scooters and perception, and mostly because things haven't been regulated and they haven't been done in this structured way. And actually... If all three operators weren't kind of bucking that trend, then that perception will never change. Absolutely,
1: you're you're totally right. I mean, public perception is a really key part of what we need to be focused on in the trial objectives that we have. London for York across the UK, every operation that's happening right now being connected to how do we address the current perception? And when I say address, not discount but actually take on board what people's fears are, what their concerns are, and understand where they're coming from, and then address them in a way that helps to actually bring in these vehicle types in a way that's positive and driving benefit and not just about mitigating risk, but about adding value to our cities. And and that really does require that kind of close working with other operators, with the city, but also the citizens of those cities at large, whether they are on the scooters and they're the riders or not, it has to take into account everybody's opinion.
0: Absolutely. And I think it's the reason that it's gone so well so far here is the learnings from other cities where perhaps that wasn't considered at the start and people thought or companies thought about the users but didn't think about the other people who weren't users. And actually, when you forget about them, then the ecosystem and the whole mobility network of a city can't work. Completely. Um, And this this is the point of collaboration again, isn't it? And I
1: think... Again, T- are doing this quite well with maybe 40, I think at the moment it's maybe 40 plus integrations with public transport apps and networks. And that integration with the wider transport mix, this is something that I think are doing really well in that connectivity with the wider city landscape. So 40 plus integrations with public transport networks and apps and mass apps. You know ap- applications as well. But it's also understanding that it's not just about connecting in with the public transport mix, but thinking about the space that you occupy on the street, and how do people interact with you as a physical presence. And also the messaging that we're putting out, I think a lot of Londoners will have started to see this huge safety campaign that TIA has put out across bus ads, tube ads out of home, we've even got television ads running, social media, influencers, all sorts. But the content of that messaging is all about safety. And it's also about understanding how these systems work. So it's not just targeted at you, a rider, this is how you need to be safe. It's also you, a a driver, these are on the streets, this is how they work you know, there are indicators, please pay attention to these things. And it's helping that kind of wider landscape to understand how these vehicles can slot in and add benefit.
0: Amazing. And now that leads, I think it leads us back to you. And I know we've talked about this, but um, you're not one to shy away from hard work. And I'm interested to know what inspires you and what keeps you going because those hours are not short. (laughs) They're not.
1: It's an interesting thing because micro mobility is always on, right? We're providing a service that is 24-7. It's never off. And people need to move at all times. And that's the big promise, isn't it? Is helping people to move, to access work, to access education, their place of worship, meeting friends, take part in their community. And that's the inspiration, really. It's the people that you're you're helping to move. I think One of the things that I've shared with the team recently, so yesterday we were all at our South London warehouse celebrating the, you know, the first month of operations, all of the hard work that the team has done, spending some time with our rangers who are the team that are on street. They're talking to the general public, they're taking care of our vehicles, they're cleaning them and they're really, you know, the first port of call of the business the core of the business so we were chatting yesterday and i was saying the our Slack channel from our rangers is my happy place because every day really truly every day they are sending pictures in with smiling you know selfies with customers and telling us stories about the type of questions that people are asking or the use cases of of the users and it's that interaction with the people that are actually being enabled to move that that's where the inspiration comes from, even at our launch event. So we did this big kind of fanfare launch event at Westfield a couple of weekends ago. And a lady came along and um, she had a disability and she had a bay outside of her house. And she said, Oh, you know, I've really, I'm so sick of traffic and I don't want to sit in traffic every day to and from work, but getting on the scooter that first time, alone was a challenge right so she came along to the event specifically to get that support from our amazing brand ambassadors our wonderful team kind of helped her get up and running showed her how it worked gave all the safety training and you know within a minute is she is whizzing around the track <laughs> and she'll be you know using that to get to and from it's those scenarios that i think are often missed from the conversation of of micromobility because we're talking big scale, huge numbers, unicorns and tech and all sorts. And we, we can be forgotten that it's actually about helping people to
0: move. No, totally. And actually, going into kind of that a bit deeper, I think something we've talked about many times in the past is the power of community. And that that's helping community, but also how communities have a power to make positive change. And I think you're you're involved in many different community groups. So do you want to share some of your experiences of how through that, you've managed to have a positive, well, have a positive change, drive a positive change, both for society and for the environment. Yeah, it's so important. It's so important. It's such a core
1: value of the business. And I think, it again, kind of where we started in the conversation, if if micromobility is to get to the point of all the benefits that really can come from it, that community engagement and Collaboration with the communities that we're entering is an absolutely essential piece of that. And I would probably start by saying how important it is to have those communities in the business, existing in the business and and having the ability to drive decision making and bring forward initiatives that are going to benefit the communities that we're in. And I think that's something that I value so highly in the way that we've built the team at TIER, that it's super representative of the cities that we're in there's such a diverse range of identities and people that has meant a lot of the partnerships and initiatives and things that we've brought into how we operate the business are with the communities that are around us in mind so you know at the level of operations working with organizations like SEAT that help people out of long-term unemployment and provide access to work I think something around 10 to 20 percent of our operations team who are, you know the core of the business are coming through those partnerships working with job center plus you know I talked about our launch event with our amazing app brand ambassadors which was again a partnership with an organization that are working particularly with young people who are underserved in their access to mentorship or their access to employment and I, I kid you not these were the most incredible and inspiring brand ambassadors I've ever had the, the fortune to work with. And these are all coming through people within the business who are considerate and caring and wanting to make these positive impacts on, on the communities that we exist within. And yes, yeah, so we talked about the operations, but also the partnership that is sits in the city side of working with local community groups, making sure that we have dedicated resource to you know, sit down with, say, um, the Kensington and Chelsea um, Disability Forum and and hear people's concerns and be able to answer their questions or support people getting onto to the vehicles. This is resourcing and actually kind of putting your money where your mouth is as a business is really important on this. So just kind of starting at that point of how you build the business and you, you think about community as an important element of it then you're able to actually serve the communities that that you're in, and you're able to come into those forums and come into those
0: conversations from a place of of genuine support, which is awesome and then I think going back the other way of of where does mobility fit into the wider clean tech community, we touched on it before, but I'd be really interested to know your thoughts around where mobility fits in that bigger ecosystem and and how it can partner with other companies. Or other niches within that space to have an impact on climate change. So both influenced by and influencing the wider clean
1: tech ecosystem for sure. And in the influenced by, I think January, I think it's January 2020. We've been climate neutral, and climate neutral is not a simple game of offsetting all of your negative impact. It's actually about ensuring that you're not actively taking negative impacts, and that requires. Tapping into that wider clean tech industry. So it means making sure all of our batteries are charged using green electricity. It means partnerships with people like Nunam or Norfolk on making sure that we've got plans for the kind of extended lifespan of our batteries once they're no longer powering our vehicles it means working with our providers to expand the lifespan of our vehicles but then also influencing because we're coming up with new business models and new technology that's then influencing the wider space not just micromobility but even you know wider than that so if you look at take the tier energy network which is a unique element of the tier business that is there for a number of reasons one of them being by enabling user swapping so that's what the tier energy network does we allow our, our riders say it's below 20% battery on a scooter, you'll be able to swap that at one of our swap spots. Now that allows us to reduce down our time on street, even though all of our time on street is e-vehicles or cargo bikes, but it still reduces down our footprint on street by allowing our, our users to make that swap. That is, you know, adding to our climate neutrality. But at the same time, it's also providing foot traffic to the high street and to local businesses so we're thinking about where are we placing those swap spots? Can we place them in community centres, in libraries, in local businesses? Because that swap in, gives the rider also a free ride. So they're incentivized to go and do that. They get a free ride. And that, again, becomes an element of access for the rider. So for lower income riders, they're not priced out from accessing the service but they have these routes to access as well as you know huge investment in access schemes and working with you know concessionary pricing and all sorts but we're providing that route into access as well that enables a participation and an ownership of the service too so those innovations like the tier energy network are also they're influenced by so that network was through an acquisition from some amazing chaps who where that business was called push me we acquired it and then built that into our business model but again that model is now influencing the rest of the micromobility space and i i would be surprised if we didn't see some other brand energy networks start to pop up in wider micromobility offering i think that's what's
0: great is actually you'd welcome that as opposed to You know, in some sectors, it's frustrating when someone takes your idea and does it. In this sector, it's great because everybody doing that is having a positive impact and the combined impact is just greater and greater. Yeah, so to that point, I think the collaboration and where
1: it becomes really important to share for the sake of the industry and the sake of the communities that we're here to serve, it becomes really important about the point of safety. And where we're taking innovations or steps towards better safety outcomes is absolutely vital for us to share that widely and not keep those things as kind of commercially sensitive or important. That is safety as a whole is going to be really important for the industry at large. So with TIER, we established an independent safety board of experts from accessible transports, visual impairment groups and are working, of course, really closely with them. But recently they've, for example, released the first report from this independent safety board, giving guidance to all micromobility operators, and they're holding us to account. They're providing the standard that we need to meet to really be industry leading in our safety approach. So that includes things like one of the topics that I think is a hot topic in the industry at the moment is adding sound to the vehicles. And I think a lot of operators might be really fast to say, you know, we did it first or we're doing it now. But the guidance from the communities and the ethical ways to develop these is is actually really important to, to stand by and make sure that they're developed properly. So we're taking first our safety board guidance on how to go about that in the ethical and right way and then going through that process. The outcome that we come up with with the sound through that process will be free for use for for all operators because there's value in consistency and there's value in taking that level
0: of approach to, to arriving there. Yeah, most definitely. And talking about kind of what's coming, what else is on the horizon, either for tier or for mobility as a whole, any crystal ball moments for you? Well, I think what's really exciting, so for tier in
1: in the UK and Ireland, upcoming is more launches, more cities, more vehicles. You know, we are multimodal. And while we've been really focused on delivering our e-scooters in the UK, we also have our e-bikes up and running in York. Hoping to introduce those to to many more cities. And and that will be a really important part of our our footprint and how we grow but also how we serve different trip types and different people by allowing different, different models of vehicle. We also have e-mopeds. So that's a whole nother story. But I think what's really exciting, we're a little too early to start talking about in the UK because we're still figuring out what the right regulation and legalities are around private e-scooters. But that becomes really interesting in this circularity piece of what we're able to do and getting into the kind of circular space of clean tech because in some of our other markets across Europe where private e-scooters are legal for use what we're able to do is take our shared scooters and repurpose them and then bring them into that private so you have more circularity and opportunity for that circularity within the business model when you get to slightly more mature markets or you have the right kind of regulation and legislation in
0: place so looking forward really excited to kind of move in that direction. And what about for you? I know something that really drives you is that I was going to say job with purpose, but life with purpose. What else is important to you and what do you want to achieve? Oh, Jen, that's such a big question. Uh, You know, I'm never sitting still. I think
1: that is the main thing. So I'm always going to be taking every opportunity to kind of be vocal about what I feel is the right focus and approach and importance of the big promise of of micromobility you know both at active and in just my, kind of my personal ventures and projects and discussions and friendships so more of that for sure just keeping the conversation as open to as many people to participate in it as possible I think we still have a really long way to go to allowing a greater diversity and group of people to feel that sustainable transport, active transport, this whole space that we exist in micro-mobility in it is there for them. We still serve some groups better than others, both in the workplace, in the services that we provide. So having enough focus and purpose and drive around actually lowering the barriers to access is, is the driving force I think behind all, all the steps that I've taken to to now being in
0: tier and being able to kind of grow the team and the type of service that we are. Yeah I think that's great it's always one of my reasons for asking you to be on podcasts on videos on everything I do is that our strap line at Brightsmith is Live Your Purpose and I think you're one of those people that just absolutely does that and it comes through in everything you've just said not just the kind of driving the industry forward but really having your eyes open that everything needs to be accessible to everyone and I think if there was more people like that in the sector then that would happen a lot quicker and I know you're doing your bit to get more people like that in the sector but I think it's it's incredible and I think we shouldn't overlook people like you that are doing that and really putting yourself out there and going the extra mile when you're already busy to be working as part of external groups and forums and running events and doing things like this to to make sure that's happening. So thank you.
1: I appreciate you so much, Jen. That is so lovely of you to say really. And the same totally can be said of you because this is why I absolutely adore having these chats with you. The the strap line that you've said there about your purpose that's so clear in, in how you approach things and setting up the ability to even have these conversations. And I know that you're so thoughtful about the people that you bring into them to have that kind of variety of voices and experiences. So I hugely, hugely value the platforms that you create and drive. And I
0: can't thank you enough for that, Jen, really. Thank you. And talking about the sector and bringing more people into it. For those people out there thinking this sounds pretty cool and it sounds like something I'd like to be a part of. Like, what's your advice? I don't just mean to the young people who are coming out of school or university, but I mean, you know, anyone that's thinking, you know what, I think I'd rather be doing what she's doing. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's a really good question. And actually, I think
1: the really important thing to say is, you know, we have talked about micromobility as a tech solution, as transport and, you know, big growth and all these exciting, you know, buzzwords. But it's actually it's a really broad reaching industry and there is a job in it for you. There's so much variety in the type of roles, skills, expertise, interests that are vital for the performance of, of micromobility from, you know, our on street team that are supporting the, the vehicles from our mechanics to engineers to data scientists to marketers to crm experts to customer service it's so varied that i guarantee whatever your skills are and whatever your passion is there is probably a job in micro for you but i do think the most important thing more so than you know whatever qualifications you have or skills are on your cv the most important thing is exactly what you've said there jan is having that passion and being connected to the vision of what we're trying to achieve if you and at tier that is put into words in change mobility for good and having that drive to change the way that people move around our cities for the better of our city the better of those people if you're connected to that vision then you'll get that job for sure.
0: (laughs) Well, I think that is the perfect place for us to leave it. So thank you so much for being on today. I just appreciate you coming on so much. It's great to give you a platform to be able to share your experience, but I think there's a lot of listeners out there that can gain a lot from it. And I'm sure they'll be in touch with you asking for advice. But I want to wish you the very best in your new job. It sounds like you've already been there for three years, even though it's about two months. (laughs) But it also sounds like the perfect match for you, a company that really mirrors your values. So it's amazing to see you this happy and doing so well and also getting to live the dream in London. Thank you so much, Jen.
1: Can't thank you enough.
0: Well, thank you very much. And we will talk very soon. Thank you for listening to Conversations in Clean Tech, brought to you by Brightsmith. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe, like, and leave a review. Every time you do, it helps others find the show. For more information on how Brightsmith can help you build a sustainable future through identifying, attracting, and retaining diverse talent, head over to brightsmith.com and join us next time for more Conversations in Cleantech.